0: this is matt i'm the lead pastor of westminster baptist church thanks for engaging god's word with us uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey uh, if we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group uh, please contact us at info at discover com. it's good stuff we're going to be in Genesis 18 this morning, but I do want to make a few points about John chapter 1, verse 18 before we turn there in Genesis 18 to show you a few key points we need to know as we move back into the Old Testament. John chapter 1, verse 18 Uh is the revelation of Jesus Christ? Look, here's what happens in John chapter one. It basically says uh, a very similar statement as to John, uh, Genesis chapter one: "In the beginning, God created." And in John chapter one, it's in the beginning. So, what what we're trying what God is showing us through the Gospel of John is that. Jesus is recreating what has been created. Now, here's an awesome question for you today. Was Jesus there at creation? Was... I love that, of course. Amen. (laughs) That's truth. (laughs) Was Jesus there at creation? Many denominations in religion will say that Jesus was created. We celebrate Christmas Day as the day Jesus was born. Some would say that Jesus was created then, and then now will live on for eternity. What that's called is everlasting. What we believe is that Christ has been forever and will be forever, which means that God was there in the beginning. God is here with us today, and God will forever be with us. God the Son being present with us at Christmas is what we are celebrating during this season. It's what we're doing. But I want to show you something in John 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And later in verse 14, it tells us who this Word is. It says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory is the one and only Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is Jesus, the Son of God. And later, skip down to verse 18, it says this, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed Him. Like church, if there's anything that we're celebrating during Christmas, that's it. Jesus Christ came the word of God which dwelt among us is the full measure of glory, the perfect revelation of our God in the flesh. This is what we celebrate, church. Now, I want to show you why that impacts us so much today. Obviously, it should impact us at the fact that God of the universe came into our presence, but I want to show you a few reasons why that impacts us in our life today. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 18, and as you turn, I want to remind you of what this series is all about. It's called A Different Kind of Christmas. Here's why. I want to show you times that God's presence came into the world. Different times that we can celebrate that God came into this world in the form of a spirit, in the form of a burning bush, in the, in the form of an angel. In some capacity, God came to this world and why and how we can celebrate this. It's a different kind of Christmas. But it's a, it's a reflection and it's a realization of God's presence that will impact how we celebrate Christmas today. Look, remember this. If Jesus was there at creation, which Colossians 1 tells us, Right? It was by him, through him, for him that all things were created, Jesus Christ. If he was there at creation, if he is God's presence with us, then we can have confidence that in the midst of the, a world wrought with evil, the indwelling God, presence of God is redeeming, saving, protecting, and ultimately will restore his creation. We can have confidence in this. I think this is so much more than a human tradition. I think the presence of God makes Christmas so much more than a human tradition. And I think it's because a child was born, and that child was God. Genesis uh, chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. He looked up, and he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to meet them, bowed to the ground, and said... And notice this, he met them, but he says, My Lord, if I have found favor with you, please do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be brought that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. I will bring a bit of bread so that you may strengthen yourselves. This is why you have passed on your servant's way. Later you can continue on. Notice now a few three things that happen here. Wash feet. There's bread that's provided and there's a multiple a multiplicity of people. There's three people, but he only addresses one, okay? Here's the response. Yes, they replied. Do as you have said. So Abraham quickly hurried to the tent and said to Sarah, quick, need three measures of fine flour, not cheap flour, the fine flour, like make the good stuff, a fine flour and make bread. Abraham ran to the herd and got a tender, choice calf. Not the weak stuff. Let's get the good stuff. Like these are the good steaks, y'all. Stuff I can't eat, but you enjoy. We're going to cook them rare and enjoy these. He gave it to a young man who hurried to prepare it. Then Abraham took curds and milk, which was a very expensive thing at this time. Took curds and milk as well as the calf that he had prepared and set them before the men. He served them as they ate under the tree. They said, where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he answered. And the Lord said, now, this is the first time we see this, Lord. Now, remember, Moses is writing this uh, after this has happened, okay? So Moses later on is writing back Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? So as he's writing this, he's looking back at the situation, recognizing different names that have been given. In Exodus 3, which is later in the Bible, we're going to get God's personal name. It's Yahweh. It's the great I am. He gives it directly to Moses, right? And so right here, if you'll notice, when it says L-O-R-D in lowercase, it's Adonai in Hebrew, which means something like sir or like a reverential master, like someone who is over you and leads you. Uh, Whereas Yahweh, which is in capital L-O-R-D in your scripture, means the uh, personal name for the God of Israel. So here... We see it says, The Lord said. All right, so we have three men who have come. He has is isolated, one out, recognizes something in this different in this one. And, and Moses writes back, The Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Now let me give you some historical context to this. Genesis chapter 12. God promises Abraham a nation. He's going to have many descendants from it. There's going to be a lot of people that come from this. So he's going to have a child through Sarah. That's in Genesis 12. We're in Genesis 18 right now. It's 25 years later. 25 years after a child was promised through Sarah, God comes back. It says, the Lord said, and he says, you're going to have a son. Verse 11. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing, so she laughed to herself, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I have delight? Notice that Lord is lowercase, talking about Abraham. After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I have delight? Laughing about this, right? And and at first, some of us may kind of look at it and go, like, seriously, why would you laugh at God's promise? Like, disrespect or whatever it may be. But how many of us today have, are engaging something in our life today that we've been praying for for a long time? Maybe a year, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe 25 years like Sarah. You've been praying for it and praying for it and praying for it, haven't seen an answer, haven't seen something happen. And all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, man, I don't think this is ever gonna happen. For Sarah, it's laughter. If you remember the story of Jacob, he wrestles with God. God's like, I'm going to make a mighty nation out of you. You're going to be Israel. You're going to lead these people. And ultimately from you is going to come David. And ultimately from David is going to come Jesus, the son of God, who's going to save the world. And Jacob wrestles with God as if he's going to defeat God, right? Jacob wrestles with him. Moses says, no, I'm not going. In the bush, it's on fire. Like, when does that happen? You know? All of a sudden, God's speaking to him. And yet, even though that's taking place, Moses rejects him, right? No, 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 I can't go, God. I got to stutter. I, I'm, not, I'm not confident with it. Like, I, I can't go, right? He says, unless you send somebody with me. Moses rejects God. Sarah laughs at God. Jacob wrestles God. Look at what the Lord has to say about it. Verse 13, but the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, can I really have a baby when I'm old? And here it is, y'all, verse 14. Like, this is what we as a church trust and believe. After 25 years of praying and the promise not being answered, the Lord says, is anything impossible for the Lord? And notice this, it says, at the appointed time I will come back to you, and in about a year she will have a son. How many of this are go how many of us in here are going, right, in an appointed time? You said 25 years ago I'd have a child. Now you're delaying it another year. Sure, it's gonna happen in another year. Like if we can be real and honest and raw as human beings, just as Jacob and Sarah and Moses' life were put on full display for us in Scripture. We get to see all their mistakes. If we just put it all out there, how many of us would go, yeah, I'd feel the same way too? Like, God, why don't you just do it right now? If you're saying you're going to do it, like, why don't you just do it right now? And Sarah's laughing, doubting, doesn't trust. Doesn't believe it's possible. And the Lord says, Man, is anything impossible? Verse 15. Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, No, you did laugh. Y'all, like, this is just like exactly what we do as humans, right? Y'all with me, like the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve. They're like, no. no, no. we didn't do what you told us not to do. I think about. Children. I'll say children. I won't say my children. (laughs) I think about children. How many times do they do something, and you're like, hey, did you do this? No, 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 no. You're like, oh, here we go. You know they made a mistake, right? We are so much like children when it comes to God. Like, Sarah, she says she's old in her years, but yet she doesn't understand that God knows her ways. Like, how can we be so confused as adults, as people who walked with God, to think that God doesn't already know everything we've done and our failures and mistakes and our unfaithfulness? I actually think this, this verse is so impactful for how we celebrate Christmas, and here's why. When the Lord says, no, you did laugh, it's a recognition that he knows her unfaithfulness. And even though he knows her unfaithfulness, he's still faithful. Church, I want us to see this morning that after 25 years of promise, God comes back and says, I'm still going to be faithful. And the response from the humans is to laugh at his promise. And he still says, even though you've laughed, I'm still going to be faithful. Even though Jacob wrestles, God still is faithful to him. Even though Moses rejects him, God still uses him. Church, you may have gone through 25 years, 25 years of waiting and praying. 55 years. <laughs> Church, you got to think about this. How faithful is a God who will still complete fulfill his promises when we laugh in his face think about like let that sink in a little bit right now i don't think there's anything more rude like it is the worst thing that can happen to me in my emotions if in a conversation somebody just laughs at you you know what i'm talking about like just disregard you completely that's what sarah does to god How disrespectful would it be for Jacob to wrestle with God? How disrespectful would it be for Moses in the the front of a burning bush to say, no, I can't? I think that's why God keeps saying nothing's impossible with him. And y'all, the difficult thing to understand as Christians, and especially, look, I'm 31 years old. Like 25 years is like almost my lifetime, right? And when I look back at that and I think about that, here's the the reality. Sometimes what we want is instant. It's like if God doesn't do this right now, then he hasn't been faithful. But he says, hey, wait one more year. Wait one more year. And I look at that and I ask myself the question I want to ask you this morning. This question is, would you wait one more year? Would you wait till eternity? Because I don't think every single question we ask, every prayer we pray is going to be answered on this earth. But sometimes it's fulfilled forever in eternity in heaven. What you may be praying for today, and the healing you may want today might not happen until Jesus Christ raises you up into new life. The pain you may experience, the hurt, the separation, the relational issues, the physical issues, all of these things might not be relieved until the promise becomes true. That though we are in this world, we are not of this world. Though we are hated by this world, Jesus Christ, John 16 and 17, is coming back. And when he does, he will overcome sin, Satan, and death. That's our promise that we cling to. Yeah. And I want to show you something here. Daniel chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are challenged to worship uh, their, the king of, the, of, of their day. Or to worship the king of who they've always loved and worshipped and followed, they have an option. Are they going to worship their king or are they going to worship the king, the Lord, Yahweh? This is before them, right? And it's literally standing before the one who's telling them they're going to, he's going to throw them into the fire if they don't worship him. Standing before them, they don't worship him. They worship God alone. And what happens? Throw them into the fire. And in three people in the fire, they see four. And I think we have to ask the question, who is this fourth person, right? Now go back with me to Genesis 18. Three people come up. One of them is identified, separated out as the Lord. When he speaks, he speaks as the Lord. He even says, I have chosen you. Look at verse 16. The men got up from there and looked out over Sodom and Abraham was walking with them to see them off. Then the Lord said, all right, Lord, Yahweh, Should I hide what I'm about to do from Abraham? Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him. Whoever this individual is has chosen Abraham, so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense, and their sin is extremely serious. I will go down to see if what they have done justifies the cry that has come up to me. If not, I will find out. Now check this out, verse 22. The men turned from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Skip with me down to Genesis 19, verse 1. The two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in Sodom's gateway. Two angels are entering Sodom and Gomorrah. One has stayed behind. The one who has stayed behind, it says, Abraham is standing before the Lord. Who is this in, John, in Genesis 18? Who is this in Daniel 3? It's hard to say definitively who it is. Honestly, because in Aramaic, it later says that it's an angel, the fourth person in the fire. But in Genesis 18, this person eats bread with them, washes feet, and is declared to be the Lord. Sarah overhears the conversation. It's not just a revelation, it's not just a message specifically to Abraham, it's physical people there in front of Abraham who are speaking and those around are hearing, who are literally eating food and washing feet. And I want to remind you of John. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Now, I can't be certain, and my friend and pastoral intern, Nick, who did a lot of the study for this passage, as we train him, we want him to be able to engage scripture, prepare a sermon, and preach a sermon. So he had a huge role in studying for this passage. So anything that is wrong is literally what he studied. So (laughs) I'm kidding, man. I love you, dude. He did phenomenal work, fantastic work studying this passage. And, guys, as we look at this, we cannot definitively say whether this is Christ, which is called a Christophany, or whether this is an angel. But here's some things we do know it's the Lord, it's a physical being. He breaks bread, he washes the disciples, or he washes feet. Is it Christ? Is it the Son of God? Is it the second person of the Trinity? Is this one moment in time where God sent forth the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, into the world to show a glimpse of what would come in the Christmas day? Is Daniel 3 that same thing? Is uh, Jacob wrestling with God the same thing? Is the burning bush the Son of God's presence on earth? We don't know these definitely, but here's what we do know. In Genesis 1, God walked among man. He heard the footsteps. Throughout the Old Testament, God comes and he returns back to be with humans in the temple, in the tabernacle, with Jacob, with Moses, with Daniel, and many other instances where God comes into the world in his presence. And church, I think knowing that the Son of God, or at least the presence of God, has come in the past should help us to celebrate Christmas today. And here's why. If God was faithful to come then, he's faithful to come now. If God is faithful to come then, he's faithful to come back. If his promises were true to Sarah and Jacob and Moses, won't his promises be true for us? This is what we cling to. The faithfulness that we see throughout all time is what we cling to, believing that the Son of God will return and defeat sin, Satan, and death, and ultimately recreate. John 1, right? Recreate the Garden of Eden. Revelation tells us this. The tree of life returning, God's presence returning, walking among man, being with us, the presence of God dwelling with us for eternity. Leviticus 26, 11 was the first promise. It's one of my favorite passages. It's so good. I just want you to hear this. It says, Leviticus 26, 11 through 13, I will place my residence among you and I will not reject you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people I am the Lord, Yahweh. I am the Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you will no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. That's Leviticus 26, 11 through 13, thousands of years before Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, comes to earth and perfectly reveals what he said he would do. That's the faithfulness of God. And today... Whether well, has been 25 years, five years, 10 years, whether it be the entire amount of your life as you look out and say, God, what are you doing? Remember, he is always faithful. And church, the good thing for, for me and I, I hope for you too today is this. Even if we're unfaithful, he's faithful. Like, it's hard for me to even understand that, knowing who I am, knowing where I came from. But it's only by that that I can cling to knowing that grace and mercy of God would forgive me and love, that God would love me, that God would be faithful to me despite my rebellion and despite the constant rebellion that my mind wants my body and heart to experience. God still loves me. And church, God still loves you. In the valleys and on the mountains, when the diagnosis comes, when the relationship is divided, when the pain sets in, God is still faithful. Even when you laugh at him, even when you wrestle with him, even when you turn away from him, that's how gracious our God is, that he would still choose to love you. This Christmas, I've got three challenges for you. First, trust in God's promises. Sarah laughed at God's promises, but I, one pastor I love to listen to, he said this. He said, everything's crazy until it happens. You know what I'm talking about? Everything seems crazy, and then all of a sudden when it happens, it's like, man, that was God's miracle, What are you walking through today? What are you not trusting God with today? And sometimes, y'all, what are you trusting God with today that you're struggling? You're just kind of sitting back going like, I feel like I'm moving to that place of I'm, I'm too old. I can't bear a child. How, how would this happen? Maybe in your life, it's like, God, I, I, I don't see a way forward. I don't see hope. I don't see anything that could come good from this. God, what are you doing I hate where I'm at. I hate who I'm with. What are you doing? And the thing that blows me away about scripture is, through all of that experience, the question, what are you doing, ultimately winds up in bringing his son, Jesus Christ, to earth. Have you ever wondered, like, why would God use Abraham despite all of the despicable things he does? Why would God use David despite all the despicable things he does? You look through the, the, the chain of Jesus' life, like the genealogy in Matthew and Luke, and you're like, why would you use them? The answer always remains the same. To save you. It's, unbelie- like, it's unbelievable, y'all. Trust God's promises. He is faithful. second, let God's presence influence your anxiety. You see, anxiety is always the fear of what could come. Faith is knowing what will come. Knowing that Jesus is returning to overcome the world causes us not to fear the world. Why would we fear an enemy that we know will be defeated? The cure to anxiety faith. I know what is before me. And though I may face difficulties and troubles and suffering and sickness, I know that in the end, we win. That's what we cling to. And third, I have, uh, when in one of my D groups, one of the young men, he doesn't struggle with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, any of that. And, uh, you know, somebody who is overcoming and, and fights with worry and believes in Matthew 6 and 1 Peter 5-7 that I can call upon my God to overcome worry and anxiety in my life. I said to him, I said, man, there are people that need to hear your story. There are people in this world that need to know that, that if you can find freedom, so can they. So I challenge you today, man, as you experience that freedom, as faith uh, frees you up from anxiety, as faith frees you up from anger, as faith frees you up from the sin that has so entrapped your heart, you share a faithfulness story. This is how God has been faithful to me. Can you imagine Sarah's story after? (laughs) Like she looks back and she's like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have laughed at God on that one. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? But can you imagine what it would be like to share that with somebody as somewhere in her 90s or later, and she looks back at her life and she goes to share this with somebody and she's like, no, I'm serious. God did this. I waited for 26 years and God came back at the appointed time. You know when else it says that God came back at an appointed time? Galatians chapter four, verses three and four. At the appointed time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. God had an appointed time for Sarah to give birth to the one who would ultimately end up giving birth to the son of God. Because God has an appointed time, and whether that time is today for you, whether that time is in 26 years for you, or whether that time is in heaven, trust And share, because somebody needs to hear this story. As the band comes, uh, I want to share with you a a quick story about my own life uh, and raising children. Uh, If you have children today, you may have experienced something like this before in your own life. My two children are very distinct, uh, Evie and Brecken. Uh, very different, and I love it. I love to see who they're becoming. Every night when we pray together, uh, I ask my daughter, what do you want me to pray about? And she lists off things for me to pray for. And as I watch her become who God has created her to be, I'm like, it's the most amazing thing I think anybody could ever experience. It's to lead their children, somebody around them, to pursue God. And to look at what she might become and who she might become and see everything that she's becoming, it's unbelievable. But here's what happens with Evie and Brecken, right? They, are, uh, they push themselves to, to physical limits, right? To physical tests that like, you're like, man, I don't think you can do that. As a parent, you're like, you probably shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> Every day, Rachel and I—it's my wife. Uh, Rachel and I uh, will get the question from Evie. Daddy, can I climb up, climb up on the fridge? <laughs> she wants to get up there. She climbs up on where you get the water dispenser out in the handle. She's just climbing, Breck and then's like, "Hey, I can do that too, right?" And uh, he's only one, so uh, she's almost six, and so they want to get up on top of the fridge and then they want to jump down to Daddy, right? Uh, They love to get on top of my truck and jump down to daddy. One of the things that they do, I take them to the river. I love to take them down to the river and just be outside. Um, My son will just go full force into the water, doesn't care what's about to happen. He just goes, like, he's just wild, and I love it. I can't wait to see who he becomes. My daughter, a little bit more reserved, will still push herself to the limit. In fact, we cracked up last time we were down at Hoshua. She ran into the water and she didn't realize that there was a drop off and she just flew in there and all of a sudden she was engulfed and water comes up. She's like, what happened? And you know, you know, she doesn't understand what exactly happened. We're crying and laughing, you know, trying to help her and all these different things. But sometimes they do things that they don't realize how difficult they are. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes they push, push themselves to the physical limit that they don't realize they can handle. Like one time when there was a, a log across the river and they wanted to walk across it. And and you're like, man, as a parent, you're like, whew, like, this is scary. Right? There's things they do that we're like, ooh, my daughter likes to climb up on a banister that's got like a six-foot drop, and we're like, ooh, like we don't want you to do that, like it's dangerous. Sometimes they push themselves in like gymnastics and sports, and sometimes they'll put themselves in a place where you're like, I don't know if they can physically do that. And they get scared, right? At first they're like, man, I can do this. And they like run up to it and they'll get ready for it. And then all of a sudden you kind of see on their face, they're like, sometimes they start crying or sometimes they're like, you know, whining or whatever it may be. And it's in that moment, I've seen time after time after time, if I'll just reach out my hand and touch their hand, just to let them know that I'm there, just to let them know that I'll hold them, I'll catch them, I walk with him. Church, as you reflect on Christmas, no matter what you're facing today, sometimes we just need to remember he's with us. His presence is with you. When you feel like you can't do it, he is with you. When you feel like it's impossible, it's possible through him. Sometimes we just need to remember the God of this universe who can overcome the entire world who created the world is in you. So as we worship I want to just give you opportunity if Pastor Glenn and any deacons are in the room I'm going to ask you to come forward just for opportunity to pray. If you're in here today and you just got something you just need to lay before the Lord today. just need to trust Him with. Just to come forward for prayer. Just lay it down before the Lord. Say, God, I trust you. I haven't trusted you with this. God, I trust you. Maybe you're in here today and you've never believed in Jesus at any point in your life. Or maybe you've been just sitting in church just kind of getting by and just acting like you have some sort of faith. Maybe you've never believed that Jesus is God came to save you. Die on a cross, take on your sin, raise from the dead so that one day you can too. If you haven't, I encourage you, come talk to somebody up here. Or afterwards, come talk to me. We're going to sing a song about how good our God is in response to his faithfulness. So if you will, pray with me. And then come forward if you need to talk to someone to come pray. Father, you are so good. Your faithfulness, despite our unfaithfulness, is unfathomable. Your grace and mercy, despite our mistakes, I, can't, I sometimes can't even comprehend it, God, but I declare that I believe and I trust you. Father, as a church, we are here because we believe you. We trust you. We worship you. Despite what is going on around us, we worship you. God, strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds, strengthen our hands that we might do your will, think about godly things, and believe in our hearts the truth that you've given us. As the man said, he faced the loss of his child. I believe. Help my unbelief. This Christmas, Father, would you help us to remember your faithfulness, and that you're coming back. We love you and praise you. your son's name, amen. amen.
1: could not hold you the veil tore before you you signed.
0: Remember, you were sent in the midst of darkness to light it up. We do pray you have a great great week. If you're looking forward to your next step, remember we have Alpha coming up in January. It's your first step of discipleship here at Westminster Baptist Church. You want to know more about your faith? Uh, that's where Hugo came to know a little bit more about his salvation and was baptized because of it. Um, if you want to know more, connect with Alpha. discover slash Alpha is where you can sign up. Or just talk to one of our leaders outside um, additionally we have christmas eve service coming up you got to sign up we're going to send out a link there's a four o'clock and a six o'clock service it'll be right here four o'clock six o'clock on december 24th christmas eve service uh, we hope you can attend if you were planning on coming to the cantata today we had to cancel it unfortunately uh, uh, due to losing our director uh, she's out because of a uh, um positive test on COVID. So, uh, we cannot have cantata, unfortunately. So y'all be praying for that family. Um, anyways, uh, remember God is good, even in the midst of the storm. So remember, go in the midst of darkness, light it up. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you later. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us. And we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.